Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. This is a weekly discussion about all things Camino de Santiago, a series of ancient pilgrimages across Europe, I suppose, culminating at the cathedral in Santiago de Compostela, where the remains, we're told, of Christ's Apostle St. James are interred. I'm Dan Mullins, and the download figures are through the roof. Uh, All of your kind comments on Facebook and other social media are really most appreciated. I have two friends who began their first Camino at St. Jean-Pierre-de-Port this week, and I've had two coffee sessions with them in the lead-up to their departure, and I've just loved being part of their journey. And I'm pleased you are part of my journey. T.S. Eliot said, Only those who will risk going too far can possibly find out how far one can go. Well, my guest this week is Glenice Johnson. She's co-founder of Wandering the World, Inspirational Travel Experiences. She's Australian. She's in Scotland, in Glasgow as we speak. Welcome, Pilgrim. Thank you very much, Dan. How are you? I'm, I'm really well. Now, you began your Camino journey in 2013. I just want to start Correct. with that, with, with just that simple question. Tell us about it. Okay, well, um, I would, had decided to take my long service leave and spend six months in Spain. And about a year before I headed off, my partner said to me, how about we walk a week of the Camino? And I said, well, how far is it? And, of course, uh, she said, well, it's about 800 kilometres. And I said, well, we may as well do the whole lot. And so um, it seemed like a good idea at the time, and, and away we went. I guess that's the, the short version. And, and so... Do you remember how you first heard about it, the Camino? Oh, well, definitely through through my partner, Dawn, and I really knew little about it, but it's one of those things that once you, you've decided that's what you're going to do, then you hear all sorts of things. So I read the Shirley MacLaine book. I read mm. the uh, the German comedian book, uh, Hake's book. That was fabulous. Uh, all of that inspired me and, and gave me quite a bit of um, I guess not just inspiration but also um, guidance on what to expect. Um, and how my journey was going to pan out. Yeah. And, and let's talk about how that journey has panned out because you've now clocked up, correct me if I'm wrong, more than 10,000 kilometres of Camino de Santiago. Absolutely. It would be easily more than 10,000. Um, I remember the day we walked into St. Jean-Pierre, well, should I say from the train station, walked into St. Jean-Pierre to Port, and... I mean, you sort of think 800-odd kilometres, I'm thinking to myself, gee, we're going to be pretty tired at the end. But anyway, let's let's just work with that. And you look up and you see the mountain. Um, but the, I guess the life changer for me was, you know, backing it up each day, walking along, and I got to the 570-kilometre mark and I thought to myself, I need to do more walking, less working, and share what I love. And at that particular stage, Spain was in quite a recession in 2013, and there was also a bit of a drive in me to, to, I guess, explore the opportunity of bringing people to Spain. How do I do that? And combining that with sharing the Camino uh, is how really Wandering the World come about, um, to give the opportunity to, to talk to others about something they probably wouldn't necessarily do. So some of them come on a, a group walk with me and others just do their own thing and I'm able to guide them, um, whether it be with their accommodation needs or or just talk to them about what their aspirations are. Um, yeah, so it's very, very rewarding, very satisfying. I love that line, more walking, less working, and more travelling. 
Yeah, that's it. Sharing what I love. And yeah, sharing absolutely. what you love. That is fantastic. So, so are you a spiritual person? Well, I probably would have said no, but I can feel, if it makes any sense, spiritual things seem to happen on the Camino. Um, or you could read them any way you like, really. So I'm not, not particularly religious, although I loved all the churches, the architecture, the buildings, yeah. everything about the, you know, the walk itself. I mean, the beauty of the walk and the beauty of all the, the different sized churches. You know, every time you're, you're taking a walk towards a village, you see the church spire first, you think you're almost there, you're about two kilometers away before you can get your coffee or whatever the case may be. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, there's, yeah, so there's something, there's something about it, and, and I guess spiritual is the word. You know, I, I've asked many people this, um, and I, I'm certain that you've been asked it many times since 2013 because it, had, it has had such a, an incredible impact on your life. Mm-hmm. How, how do you describe the Camino if you're telling someone about it at a, at a dinner party? Ah, that's a good question. Well, I guess people initially start thinking about the walking bit, but I, I'm probably more inclined to to talk about how it's so good for the, – the whole Camino is so good for your mind, for your body. It's guilt-free eating and drinking. Um, you wander along. You just take in the beauty. You feel that uh, – you just feel removed largely from the rest of the world in a, in a very nice way. And nothing's, nothing seems to be too difficult. You put one foot in front of the other – some people think, oh, how can you walk 30 kilometres? How can you walk 20 kilometres? And I say, well, you break it down in your mind. You think about five kilometres at a time. And most people say, oh, I think I'll walk at least five kilometres a day. And I say, well, there you go. Um, it's something that I, some, in some instances the whole journey is for, for people that have not just the time but that's their inclination to want to really step out of their comfort zone and do the whole 800 or 890 kilometres to Finisterre. And other people are, are happy just to sample it. So I talk a little bit about how, how it was for me. And if you have got that inclination to do the whole journey and the time, I just think that is the absolute life changer. You know, like me, you're heavily involved in social media, heavily linked, I suppose is the word, uh, and, and yeah. seeing lots of different people, um, lots of different places, you realise that even though we're all been to those places and had largely the same experience. Different people are experiencing different things, aren't they? Absolutely. And the other thing that, that I really love and enjoy about it is when you're walking along with somebody and all sorts of conversations happen and you learn something about somebody else's life, and it, I mean, it's better than any book that you can read, and you hear about why they're on that journey and just the, just, and it's just such a learning experience, uh, as simple as that, through other people's eyes, through other people's journey. Um, and that's what makes it so magical as well. Yeah, and my next question is, how do you, if you're at that dinner party and, someone, and when you say to somebody, well, you're a pilgrim, when you walk the Camino, and they say, what on earth is a pilgrim? How do you explain the life of a pilgrim, as it were? Well, I, I say that you can be whatever sort of pilgrim you like, really, because um, I tend to do the, the pilgrim thing where I'm concentrating on enjoying and loving my walking and I move my luggage. But some people would say, oh, you're not a pilgrim because you really have to feel like you're crawling into villages on your knees with, you know, all the, the weight on your back and everything else. And I respect and admire people that do that, but that's not that's not my sort of a pilgrimage. So I say in the same way that I would say when people walk with me, this is your Camino, 
you are the pilgrim to choose how you want to do this. And this is how it's been done in the past. And, and um, you do what, what feels comfortable for you. Yeah. And I think that being a pilgrim, it's important not to be judgmental, isn't it? Absolutely. And the other thing it's, it's quite sort of, um, I think always amusing is the pilgrim's meal as they call it. <laughs> and, um, that's certainly evolved over the years because it used to be something very modest in the bottom of a bowl. And now a pilgrim's meal, no matter how you walk in the Camino is always three courses at least. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's good food. Potent- it's great food. Yeah. It is great food. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And you get, a, and if no one else is drinking the wine, you get the whole bottle. That's the other great thing about it. Um, it. I mean, it's, the wine's cheaper than the water, right? So um, they're, they're busy offering as much wine as possible. That's exactly right. So what's, what, if I was to ask you, what is the most important thing you think, Glennis, about being a pilgrim? I just think to take your open mind, um, take your open mind on the Camino and just see how everything pans out in, in terms of... Um, you can either think as much as you like or as little as you like, uh, but just enjoy it. Enjoy the walking and enjoy everything around you. I have a lot of people walking at the moment and just seeing their experience, things that I wouldn't have thought about, um, you know, like the musicians along the way, like you are, of course. You've entertained a lot of people, I see, Dan, on your Camino, which is fantastic. So that open mind, just see what's in front of you next is incredible. Yeah, yeah. And the ability... And the tendency, I think, to share. Now, you mentioned earlier that you hear so many stories. It's interesting, isn't it, that you wouldn't meet somebody on the bus in Sydney and sit next to somebody on the bus and just start telling them your life story. But pilgrim to pilgrim, it's kind of open slather, isn't it? It is. And the other thing is that even with friends, if you, um, we all have a lot of friends in our lives that we just meet and have a coffee with or sit on the bus with. And... It's we don't have those hours on our hands to really get into, you know, what we did before. We we become friends, um, just different things in our lives. What we share about what's troubling us, what we share about that we are grateful for. So there's something about that that turns everybody in the Camino uh, into a family, yeah. Uh, really. Yeah. Because you have shared something very unique, and it's something that can't be forced, and it usually doesn't happen over, you know, a meal in the evening in your own hometown or over a coffee or. Or whatever. No, that's right. And, and so how then, Glenise, how then has that impacted on your life in a general sense, like since you've come home? You've got over 10,000 kilometres of Camino experience now. So how has that impacted on your life generally? Well, I just think, I just find people so inspirational. And sometimes there are, there are different things within the stories that they tell that you take on board and you apply it to your own life or you're very grateful that some of the things that have happened to other people haven't happened to you. So it's a real measure, I think, of um, just being very, you know, happy and content with what you've got and what you've got can be very simple. It can be as simple as having the time, in my case, having the time to go out and walk. I'd much rather walk for six months in a year than sit behind a desk. Um, How lucky that I am to have that opportunity and how lucky I am to share it with so many people that tell me, their stories. Um, and some people are also, because a lot of people tend to travel with, with, with me that are thinking about retirement and stuff and their next path and, you know, their life story is always um, unique and inspirational. Let's talk about wandering the world, inspirational travel experiences. You mentioned there that you'd prefer to walk for six months of the year. And before we began, 
Uh, I said to you, where are you? And you said, I'm in Scotland. I'm about to do this wonderful walk <laughs> up in the mountains uh, of, uh, of, of Scotland. And, and I said, how often are you away? You said 26 weeks of the year. So clearly you are someone who is very lucky doing what you love. I am. Yeah, absolutely. So Absolutely. And I think, sorry. I was, I was just about to say that wandering the world and inspirational travel experiences has become your, it, it's an extent, your business is an extension of your life choices. That's fantastic. It is fantastic. And I say to anybody listening that um, it's my hobby and it just happens to be um, the job. Um, yeah, look, uh, yeah, I, I guess right place, right time and the Camino really is the driver for this happening. Just awesome. Okay, so tell us about the business. What do you offer and, and, and what sort of experiences and what sort of things can people do on the Camino via your business? So we have two options. Uh, basically, people either walk with me or somebody else that escorts them like myself that has the same passion for walking. And we have self-guided programs where people want to, itineraries where people want to either do it with their family group or with friends or on their own. So I'm able to offer them the choices of accommodation that I think will suit with what they're looking for. And we make all the arrangements and away people go. So it just takes all that thinking out of it for people that haven't been there and don't necessarily know what they want to do or how they want to do it. And for me, I always say, if I'm not walking the Camino, I want to be talking about it because that's really where my passion lies. And the reasons why I have other places, like we walk in Japan, uh, Scotland, England, the coast to coast, um, Ireland and Iceland and the, um, Italy and the likes the reason why i offer that is because when people do the camino they didn't want to walk somewhere else and they don't just want to walk the camino so that's become quite a passion and and also it's a great training ground so um the west highland way and the great glen way that i'm about to to walk this week with uh, a couple of different groups it'll be fantastic training for when i go back and do the portugal coastal um in june how far will you walk on this particular journey in scotland uh we'll do about 250 uh, miles and, yeah, in and, total. And I, I'm assuming there's not little albergues along the way. Um, what sort of no, accommodation this, in Scotland? Oh, it's in Scotland. We have fantastic bed and breakfast accommodation. Um, in some cases, it's quite small, so we might need a couple of houses where we have people uh, using the bedrooms and and the likes, or we might have a small hotel. Oh, it's it's just fantastic, and the food is fantastic in Scotland mm. as well. Great fish. Yeah, I know. I know the neck of woods you are walking through. It is absolutely spectacular. So, so what's what's the most common thing you hear from your customers when they return from the Camino? Oh, I would say it's the, it's that real wow factor. Um, usually, I can feel the tears through an email, or I see yeah. them in person. It it is that I I think people underestimate what the walking will do for their their confidence, um, for their just for their mind, for their body. Uh, people are, are always energised uh, and really pumped about what the walking does for them. And I think it's that achievement, and that's what I, I can see firsthand when I scored a group, that achievement of walking into Santiago, knowing they've done two or 300 or 400 kilometres and the look on their face is, it just tells the whole story really. Is a guided tour for everyone, do you think, Glenys? Oh, definitely not. 
definitely not. So I th- the guided tour is really around also the people that want the camaraderie. They sometimes would have to travel alone if they didn't have a group. They want the support of a group. And other people find their own group or they just want to do that whole solo thing. A bit like you, Dan, you just made your way across to Spain, didn't you? You had the ticket from your family and then took off. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, yeah. um, so I think I always say different strokes, different folks, all of that, and just whatever works for you. Just you know, And I'm always happy to talk to people even if they want to go off and do the old burger thing or whatever. You know, um, as long as they get to the Camino, that's, that's my thinking. Yeah. And then... You mentioned that you take a lot of the, uh, the, the groups. Do you have other guides? And, and how do you find those guides? Usually those guides are the people that have come along on a walk and said, I want to do this, with, I want to do this over and over and I'd like to share it with other people. Wow. So they go through a training regime, yes. Um, you can imagine how many people would be quite keen on doing, um, doing more. And, and guiding is not for everybody either. They've got to really want to be connected with all the things that you've got to do while you're walking a couple of hundred uh, kilometres to make sure that everything's buttoned down, um, you know, meals are on time and everybody's feeling good and you're you're able to look at people's blisters and those types of things. So it's not for everyone, but there's quite a few people that are are interested. So we choose choose like that. And do you ever meet someone who has booked a spot in a tour and you think after a day or so, uh, this is not going to work, this is not for you. What happens to those people? Well, the great, the great thing is with the Camino, even though it's guided, we say it's very much self-guided as well. So you can take off early in the morning, later in the morning. You can walk as a group or choose to be on your own. So that really mixes it up too. But generally what happens is that everybody comes together. Well, they certainly come together at the end of the day, but everyone comes together to do that walk into Santiago together. So it can be a very personal journey, and and people work that out after the first couple of days of what their preference is. And do you recommend then, because it's a guided tour, um, and if you'll forgive me, Glennie, what I'm about to say is not disrespectful, but somebody's doing a lot of the thinking for you and a lot Mm -hmm. of the planning for you, do do, am I, do I need to do a lot of preparation? I mean, should people be well, the, a spreadsheet pilgrim or is all that preparation done for you? On the self-guided side, they've got to do an awful lot of thinking and they've got to be able to read the maps. They've got to be able to think for themselves because at the end of the day, they've just got to get – But they don't only have to get their accommodation, their luggage arrives and, and um, it's sorted for them. But I think there's still a fair bit of thinking with the training and people are often feeling nervous about the training. They've never done enough and they often think they've done more than what they have. Uh, they haven't done enough hills, um, all those types of things that, that just um, lean towards a, a good walk. Yeah, I think you've answered my next question, which is what's the most important thing to consider before we go? And you would suggest, I think, walking. Absolutely. And you've got to go, and you know this yourself, Dan, you've got to get the right shoes, you've got to get the right yeah. socks, carry as less as possible on your back, make sure you're rehydrating and understand what rehydration is and and make sure you change your socks. That's one of my secrets. I've never had a blister, nobody can believe that, but I'm touching wood again. I've never <laughs> had a blister and I think it's down to the fact that I change my socks every hour and a half and take the moisture away from my feet. What? You change your socks every hour and a half? You must have a backpack Every full of socks. Yeah, well, well, but I should I should just say that they're never clean when I'm putting on, but they are dry. <laughs> <laughs> so hang off the sock, hang the socks off my my day bag to dry, and then just keep rotating them over the course of the day. 
I just think it works a treat. When you put the, the dry socks on, your feet feel like that you're starting for the first time as well. And, of course, the right size shoe. Some people tend to have them a little bit tight if there's not enough room in the front for your toes. Those types of things can easily cause a blister. Okay, so, so let's talk about that for a minute here. Now, now do you rub any of the, the cream on before you put the socks on? No, I don't. Do, I, I always have a bag of hiker's wool with me, though, just in case I get a hot spot in my, on my foot as I'm walking. So hiker's wool, people buy it online. It's from New Zealand. It's magic. So you just take a big hunk of that hiker's wool, which is straight from, you know, virtually straight from the sheep, put it in your sock uh, against the spot where you're feeling a bit of a, a hot spot. And that's the other trick is to stop straight away if you feel a hot spot. And that will also draw the moisture away and give you that little bit of extra padding between your foot and your shoe. Hiker's wool. Now, how do we find hiker's wool? Hiker's wool, it's um, online. If you just Google hiker's wool, you'll definitely get to the website in New Zealand. And some companies, some outdoor gear companies in Australia sell it as well. Does it cost a million dollars? Oh, no. No, it's very cheap. And it's even cheap to send. You can imagine it doesn't weigh anything at all. Of so course. I think we're looking at something like $15 from memory was the last bag I, I paid for. $15 well spent. And, uh, and uh, well, you say you're right. Okay, so there you've got – you're changing your socks every hour and a half. You've got your, your hiker's wool. You mentioned about the shoes there. Make sure they're the right size. A lot of people say you should buy your shoes as half a size too big. Is that right? Yeah, I, half a size to a size. It just depends on your foot. I've got a fat foot, so I go a size bigger rather than a half a size. But certainly, and then I stick to the same boot. I've had the same boot for years, and so making sure though that that when you when you also when you're trying on the boots that you haven't got hot feet or cold feet, so that when you actually get along to walk in the Camino, you haven't actually got the wrong size because you tried them on the wrong day. Yeah. Yes. What a great – that's mm. fantastic advice. I've never heard that before. That's awesome. <laughs> well, it go. works for me. So, yeah, yeah game well, touching wood. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. We're all touching wood on your behalf. Now, <laughs> now I, I know, uh, Glenice, that a lot of people listen to these podcasts because they're thinking of walking and they're trying to determine the best time to walk. Now, I was only there – three weeks ago, four weeks ago, it was snowing in Burgos. When do you recommend yes. people walk? Well, it's an interesting one about the snowing in Burgos because I've got some people walking at the moment and I know that 1,700 people are going into Santiago today. Wow. <laughs> um, not, all my not all my clients, by the way, but I just know <laughs> that um, it's, got, it's quite busy, yeah. Mm. Um, so the question is where people start. So a two-week trip, if you did that in May, June, September, October is perfect, but if you are starting and doing the full Camino, it's getting the weather right at the beginning and the end. And as we know, it normally wouldn't be snowing at this time of year, um, but it was snowing as recently as about a week ago. So that's quite a late, uh, that's a late season for, for getting cold on the Camino. But just coming back to the simple months, April, May, sorry, April, May, June, uh, September, October. September's got very, very busy. So it's a consideration of whether you're starting in September or whether you're finishing in Santiago in September. Right, but you don't you didn't say the word July in any of that. No, I'm quite happy walking in July and it works for the first 10 days of July, but after that it's really a bit warm. 
And in terms of August, I think also you can get away comfortably with starting around about the 20th of August. Or, And again, it depends on the year. Last year, it was unseasonally hot in June in Portugal, for example, and that wasn't normal. So with the seasons we're playing with now, we have to be a bit flexible. But we can also get around heat quite well. If you just have the odd hot day, you can get up earlier that morning and you can actually be in your accommodation before the heat of the day, which is around about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, in Europe. So therefore, you've got quite a few hours to play with before the heat sets in. Well, I have very, very fair skin. Very fair skin. Mm -hmm. I'm basically an Irishman who's living in the tropics. It's ridiculous. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I have finished my walking by 12.30 every day. Yeah. And because I just cannot be in that that the heat of the the Spanish sun. What about deciding, Glenice, which route to walk? If someone's listening and they're thinking, wow, the, the France says sounds fantastic, how do you work all of that out? Uh, do you always walk the same route or, or how do you go about that? No, I, I change it up, but I also have, I have conversations with people to find out what they're really looking for. So some people automatically assume that the, the Camino Francis is very busy and the reality is, as you would know, Dan, it's really only really busy in the last 100 kilometres mm. and it does depend. You can actually sometimes be on the Camino at that point where it's not very busy at all. Uh, a lot of people now are looking to add Portugal into the mix because Portugal certainly become um, quite uh, top of topic for people uh, and, and certainly tourism is growing. So people like that mix between Portugal and Spain. But also what's happening is that people, once they do one Camino, are wanting to do another. So I would always say that if you're planning, if you think you're going to do two, I would start on the Camino Francis and then go to the Portugal. If you're doing it just solo or with a group, um, with the escorted groups, people tend to want to do the Portugal-Spain first, uh, which is fantastic. And then they gain, gain their confidence to go off and do the other side. Um, on their own right they do the shorter one first to get a feel for it and and then do the long one down the track you know it's often said you begin your Camino when you arrive in Santiago so what do you tell your your customers about what to expect when they finish well yeah I try to I try to say little about that so that their own journey so they're not sort of focusing on the end point that's the other the one thing about Shirley McLean's book was um, talking about not wanting a day to end. So I talk more about the walking and then how everything else will unfold when they arrive in Santiago uh, because it's such a city of emotion and I think it's contagious and infectious. So once you once you get to Santiago, you see so many other people, especially if you're on the Portugal side and you've seen everybody come in from the French side, it's like, you know, it's, it's just a whole square outside the cathedral of emotional people all with a different story. Yeah, it is. I was there only just 10 days ago and it's still fabulous. It's absolutely fantastic. But what about you, Bernice? You've been to the square now so many times. Do you still feel the magic? Cry every time, Dan. Cry every time. (laughs) Really? Um, uh, I mean, I can hardly get it out without crying now, to be perfectly honest. There is, uh, uh, I, you can't, you can't bottle or buy that emotion. You really can't. Um, I, I guess I get more satisfaction in some ways because I'm there with other people that have walked in with me, and I feel their emotion as well as my own. If that makes sense, the look on their face is one of the reasons I do this. This, we'll call it a job. <laughs> I can't really. 
Um, I remember the first time I walked in um, on the Camino Francis, come in under the uh, beside the cathedral where the buskers are, and there yeah. was the the piper there, and yeah. I gave him twenty euro. I was that excited. <laughs> I was just. You know, I I was just overwhelmed and that was the only note that was in my pocket. I thought, whatever, what? you know, just take that and enjoy yourself. Um, there's, there's only one ever first, of course, and that was very emotional. And, and so, you know, sort of you, you make it, you know, it's 800 kilometres and you've made it. Oh, gosh. Um, but to repeat it, it takes it to a whole new level. And like I say, repeating with other people and seeing the look on their face is, is priceless. Yeah. Priceless is a good word because you couldn't possibly, you couldn't possibly put a figure on it. It's, it's just astounding. No. It's astounding, isn't it? In the true sense of it's the a, word, it is astounding. Yeah, it's absolutely astounding, and you can just see. I don't think anybody's the same after that walk. Whether it is two weeks, one week, five weeks, six weeks, I don't think you can ever be the same. Would you say that, Dan? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and and I, and I know I've, I've I've been you know walking through those quite quite awful, well not awful but it's it's quite difficult that walk into Santiago, uh, you know through the suburbs yeah. on the outskirts of town you're thinking, you know you're looking at people everybody's so apprehensive, but all of that just flo- yeah. floats away the moment you walk through that archway and around the corner. And like I said, I, I was lucky yeah. enough to be there just a couple of weeks ago, but I wasn't walking. I, I was just in the square shooting a video and everybody, I was bawling my eyes out. There was people there, yeah. you know, older, older pilgrims, younger pilgrims, pilgrims who'd walked a long, long way and, oh, and, yes. and pilgrims yeah. who'd done only 100 kilometres, but they were all there. They were just full of life and full of love and, and it was astounding and yeah yeah no, I, yeah it's fantastic now we've got to get back to this interview here you and me just riffing on here what about an, <laughs> what about an overall budget what do you say to people uh should they set aside each day do you think oh the budget well i mean anything basically anything from 20 euro a day to 120 euro a day is is the honest truth if you're going to have a guide and you're going or escorted by me and you're going to have luggage transfers, dinners included, all that type of thing, um, different styles of accommodation. So anything from 20 euro to, to 120 per day. Do you schedule rest days for your tours? On some, on some paths, just depends. So if, for example, from Porto to Santiago, occasionally I have a very short day, so I like a 9 or 10K day, so I don't schedule a rest day. But if I'm going from Leon to Santiago, then often a rest day in Saria. Ah, with 100 kilometres to go. Yes. So many pilgrims are people who stepped out of their comfort zone. Older women or men who just decided to go to Spain to walk the Camino to sort of find mm-hmm. themselves in in an adventure. What do you learn from them? What what can we all learn from some of them? Do you think? Well, actually, a good example. I think you've just prompted me there, Dan. Is that um, what I what I saw? One of the people that, that walked with me had no interest in walking before. In fact, I was quite interested to hear. Oh, look, I think I'm coming on your first trip, and I've gone really, and when that person walked the Camino and 
really pushed herself. You could tell, you know, if you're not used to doing any sort of walking at all and all of a sudden you're facing 20, 25 kilometres up hills, rain and all the elements that come with it, I thought it was so interesting to see how her children, her adult children, reacted to, wow, that's mum. So I think that these the people that go off and do this just find a whole new self-meaning um, and other people within their family and their friendship groups look at them very differently and they aspire people to just go after whatever it is that they're looking for. And so because you've been with them for this extraordinary life-changing experience, do you then keep in contact with them afterward? Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I mean, often we have a very high repeat rate. So we have people coming with us to other parts of the world or returning to a different part of the Camino. Yeah. And we have a walk in Melbourne every year where people last year, or sorry, yeah, last November, people came from five different states of Australia to actually see the people that they've walked with. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. And, and so you're about to do this beautiful walk in Scotland. Um, yes. And, and, and I'm assuming you're taking some people who, with you who have walked the Camino before. Uh, do you yep. feel that there's, this, there's not the same energy on a walk in Scotland? Are you experiencing or expecting to experience the same energy that on a walk in Scotland, which is spectacular, as we we all know, as yep. as opposed to the Camino, can can you definitely feel a different sense between the two? There's definitely a different sense. So I actually did this walk last year with other people that had also walked the Camino with me. But the thing that's interesting is that people are admiring the beauty. So I think that that's where the similarity lies. And so it's a different endpoint but it's certainly very energising and, in a way, spiritual as well. And the other thing is with the Caminos, With um, last year I did the 750K with a group from La Puy to St. Jean-Pierre-de-Port, so that wasn't walking into Santiago. And so that's almost the difference, I think. So it doesn't matter whether you're walking in Scotland or whether you're walking on the Camino and not going into Santiago. You're really it's, – it's how your mind is relaxing with the walking and you're taking in that – that energy every day that you get from actually pushing yourself and challenging yourself to get up and down the hills. Do you ever think, oh, I'm over it? No, I don't. But sometimes I think, gee, it's going to be a tough day today. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what, what do you do then? What do you do then if you think, oh, there's three people here who are driving me crazy? What do you do? Oh, well, yeah, and, and that sometimes does happen because sometimes I'm sure I'm driving people crazy. So it's just it's, – absolutely. So it's about taking a step back and saying, well, it doesn't matter what everybody's thinking here or how hard it is or whether it's raining all over it, all over us, this has st still got to be better than a lot of other things like going to the dentist. That's what I sometimes <laughs> refer to. So if it, if it is a bit painful and your feet are all wet, you just know at the end of the day there's going to be a place to dry off and, you, and, and also I say to myself, don't rush it even though you really want to be there. Just enjoy what's that, that walking in the rain or whatever it is that's challenging you is giving you because it's all for the benefit of your greater good at the end of the day. Fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, okay, I've got a, a couple of last questions. Here we go. Now, Glenice, a favourite moment on the Camino? Oh, gee, yeah. Um, whew. 
I've got to get that out without the emotion. You, you just hit me right in the heart there, Dan. Gosh. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it would have been in the cathedral on my very first Camino where I reunited with Edward, who was 65, who had left his house in Amsterdam to walk all the way. And I'd exchanged some interesting stories along the way with him or he'd exchanged his great stories. And in the cathedral, he took me over to his wife, who wasn't supposed to be there because she was supposed to be back in Holland. And he introduced me and she said, you must be the Australian that he's always talking to. And it was about his journey about meeting his uh, um, uh, grandfather to his child along the way and a number of other things that just really, I guess, cemented how wonderful life is. No wonder you're trying to hold back tears. I'm doing the same. <laughs> what, would you, amazing. what would you say to someone thinking of walking, someone think, thinking of going? I just say, just do it. And I don't say to them, what, what, are, what reservations have you got and why? And then I'd say, whatever, and whatever they are, I'd say, okay, this is just break it down. Because even if it's around, oh, I don't think I can walk day after day, I can say, well, perhaps you need a couple of extra rest days. Or maybe you just need to slow it down a little bit, maybe in some shape or form, do a bit more training, whatever it is. It's usually only the fact that people don't think they can walk. And I'd say, you've just got to do it because this will be life-changing. You are originally from the regional Victorian town of Warrnambool. <laughs> yes. could, could you ever have imagined you'd end up doing what you're doing? Not a hope, no. Ironically, there's somebody from Warrnambool on the trip this week. Really? And she, she came on. Yeah, she, she found me. We, had, we played volleyball 30-odd years ago, and she found me a couple of years ago and went on my second Camino. That is amazing. That is amazing. Mm. You know, my very last question here is uh, that often I talk to people on this podcast and, and I say to them, the Camino, I can feel it calling me back. Mm. I, I guess in your instance, in your case, it's like it's constantly talking to you. It's, it's, it's just become yes. interwoven into your life. Yes. And when I'm home, I get back and I think to myself, how many days have I got before I'm back on that Camino? Oh, that's fantastic. That is absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much, Glenice, for sharing your story and your advice. Pleasure, Dan, a real pleasure. I've really and enjoyed I wanted, it. I'll tell you what I want to do, Dan. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what I want to do, though. I want you to come on one of my Caminos. <laughs> All right. I want to hear your singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we can make it happen. We can make it happen. <laughs> that would be absolutely Fantastic. awesome. I've really enjoyed talking to you. And and I'm and I'm about to say Buen Camino, but I wish I knew what it was what the the blessing was in Scottish. Yeah, Bonnie Scotland, um it's a very good question. <laughs> Ach, just do it, they <laughs> say. <laughs> Ach, just do it. Buen Camino, Glennis. Yeah. Lovely to talk to you. All the Thank very you, best. Dan. All the best. Bye. Thank you very much. Buen Take Camino. care. Bye. Glenice Johnson there. Wasn't that a great yarn? She's co-founder and operator of Wandering the World, inspirational travel experiences. To find Glenice online, you go to www.wanderingtheworld.com.au. And I've actually received an email while writing this interview. John, 
originally from Australia, now based in the UK, is about to head off from St. Jean-Pierre-de-Port. He said he was introduced to the podcast by a British friend. And I love the fact that my weekly discussions are uniting people across the globe. T.S. Eliot said, only those who will risk going too far can possibly find out how far one can go. And I said, at the start, I mean it. And I'm pleased you are part of my journey. Thank you for listening and thanks so much for your support. I'm Dan Mullins. Until next week, Buen Camino. (laughs) 